we are all on a journey. The trouble is, sometimes we just don't actually know where we're going. We get turned around and off track like we're stumbling in the dark. What we all need is a light. We need a God to follow closely and to show us the way. Our light, our God, our teacher is Jesus. We need to follow him. Is Jesus walking around with us? How can he guide us? How can he show us the way? See, following Jesus doesn't have to be that complicated. Jesus can show us the way because Jesus is the way. Good morning, everyone. All right, here's the question of the day. How many of you got an extra hour sleep last night? Raise your hand. How many of you just stayed up an extra hour because you knew the time was changing? Like, it's like not even valuable. Like, we never get the extra sleep that we need. Man, I'm so glad you're here as we start the month of November. Turn to someone and say, who cares? Now turn to them and say, I care. 2,763 years ago, God asked that question of a prophet named Isaiah. He was called to his prophecy and his ministry the year that the longest serving king in the history of Israel, a man named Uzziah, was reigning, 742 BC. And God looked down on the earth and he's like, hey, who cares? Who cares enough to help? And Isaiah said, in Isaiah 6, 8, I do. Um, I'll help. What do you need? God, I believe, is asking the same question 2,763 years later that he asked Isaiah on that day. I believe God is looking down across Lee Summit in Cass County and Jackson County in Kansas City today saying, who cares? And he's looking for some Christians who say, I, like, I care. I will care. And the goal today is for us to learn who cares and what we care about in the kingdom of God as we walk with Jesus as Jesus people. One more time, say, who cares? Who cares? Say, I care. Matthew 9, that's where we're hanging out today in our series, when week five of a series called Jesus People. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 9. If you don't, don't worry, all the scripture I read will be on the screen. If you have our Journey app, everything on the screen will be in your handheld device. Here's the premise of this series that we're five weeks into, to come to the full realization of what it means to be followers of Jesus who live on mission for Jesus. Through the Sermon on the Mount, we've been drawn to his message. In Matthew chapter 8, we've begun to believe in his power. And now in Matthew chapter 9, we're walking with Jesus we're following with Je- we're following Jesus and we're learning things about Jesus that are teaching us things about ourselves that are teaching us things about the world this series is about the nine realizations that every follower of Jesus will have as they become Jesus people following Jesus and our big idea today is spiritual realization number 4 we kind of hit it last week we're going to stay on it for 4 weeks it takes all of us to accomplish Jesus mission. We've paused on spiritual realization number four for the month of November. And we are like in this little mini series now called all in. We're saying it takes all of us being all in to accomplish the mission that Jesus has for us. Somebody say all us, all of us, all in. It takes all of us being all in to do everything that God wants to do in our community through our church. That's the goal of the next four weeks at Journey. Before we jump into the text and look at the teaching and the life of Jesus today, let's pray and ask God to be with us. Would you bow your heads with me quickly? Take that deep breath to just kind of settle your soul into this moment and ask God to speak to your heart. That's the goal today. I hope you've not come to hear from me. I hope you've come to hear from God. Ask God to speak to your heart. Tell him you're listening. 
God, we learned last week that it takes all of us being all in to accomplish the mission that you have for your church and our part of that church in our city. God, speak to us today about what that looks like for us. Continue to show us what it looks like for all of us to be all in on the mission of Jesus. That's our prayer, and we ask it today in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. Again, maybe you've got those strings in your Bible so you can follow along closely. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, that's in Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So last week we took this summary of Matthew chapter nine and we said, here's what Jesus does. When Jesus shows up in a town, his ministry is teaching, preaching, healing, and helping. Matthew said Jesus went through every town and village in Galilee, and this is what he did when he got there. The historian Josephus, the greatest Jewish historian in the world, hired by Rome to tell the story of what happened in Palestine and Israel in the first century, said there were no less than 200 cities and villages in Galilee at that time. Galilee is kind of the, it's the breadbasket of the Middle East. It's the Florida of the Middle East. All of Europe mostly gets their citrus fruit from Israel, and it is the place where you grow all the crops, and they transport it to Europe and Africa and Asia. He said in the first century there were 200 cities and villages, and the smallest had 15,000 people, which means at that time there may have been up to 3 million people in Galilee. And Jesus had 12 disciples. And he's like, we're going to need some more help. Like Jesus showed up, it says, in every town and village, 200 in the day, teaching, preaching, healing, and helping. And when he looked at them, he's like, we're going to have to get some, we're going to have to get some more help. So last week, he asked his disciples to pray that workers would be sent out. We saw last week a summary of what Jesus does, teaching, preaching, healing, helping. We saw a statement of what Jesus needs. We need some more workers to go into the field. And we saw a picture of Jesus' church at its best. We saw a picture of the body functioning together. And we had dozens and dozens of people last week who said, I'm not engaged yet, but I want to do my part of what Jesus is doing. If, if you've ever seen the movie Back to the Future, like we are going from an incomplete body to a picture of a body coming together. Our arms and our hands and our feet are kind of coming together as we become the body of Christ, all of us all in together. And there's tremendous application from Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38 for this season that we're living through at Journey as we get ready to open a building. And we know so many people from our community, just out of curiosity, are, are going to come and be a part of our ministry at least one day. So we said, like, when Jesus shows up in town, because we believe Jesus is coming to our town, we know that the crowds are still drawn to Jesus and that they need him. We know that the crowd needs shepherds to help. And last week, our entire message was about the fact that the Savior needs workers. That's what we talked about last week. Like Jesus said, here's how I'm going to accomplish my work with workers. So I need you to pray that there'll be more workers. Only two times in the gospel of Matthew that Jesus asked his disciples to pray for something. Once when he was facing the burden of the cross. Once when he was facing the burden of the church. I need you all to pray that more people will show up and help in what I'm trying to do. We started last week with number four, what Jesus said. Today, we're going to focus on what he saw. Because when Jesus looked at the crowds, he saw something very specific. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. So we'll kind of stay right here for the next two weeks. Today, we're going to talk about what Jesus felt. 
when he looked out at the crowds. We're going to talk about what Jesus feels when he looks across Kansas City. We're going to talk about what Jesus' people are supposed to feel when our eyes are open to the world around us. And then next week, we're going to talk about what, what we should be looking for and who we should be trying to help. We're going to look at these words in yellow this week, compassion, harassed and helpless, sheep and shepherd, as we just kind of walk through these four verses again this week. Let's start number one with these two words, compassion and care, compassion and care. You could almost say maybe compassion that cares. We're going to see how Jesus feels when he looks at people. It says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. In the Greek, this word is a very interesting word, and it's a word that we would all identify with and agree with. In the English language, the word is splanchna, and it means to feel in your intestines or your bowels. It means to look at something and to feel it in your your gut. Now, we all know that emotions are something that can move our intestines, as a matter of fact, I used to have a teammate in high school who had to throw up before every football game. Like he wouldn't throw up during warm-ups and he wouldn't throw up like right before the pe- right before the pregame talk, but like right before starting kickoff, if he did not puke behind the bench, our team wasn't ready. But like after he threw, it was just like, like a nervous reaction. It was like, has Ben puked yet? And it's like, yeah, it's like, all right, we are good to go. But like until he threw up, we weren't ready. He got so stressed that his reaction was that every football game he had to puke before we could play emotionally, we have all felt this way. Emotionally, we know that what we feel in our head and in our soul can actually like get to our gut. As a matter of fact, modern medicine says we need to be careful of this. Dr. Timothy Legg says this about stress. Too much stress can take a mental and physical toll on your body. This includes wreaking havoc on your gut and digestion. Short-term stress can cause you to lose your appetite and your digestion to slow down. Long-term stress can trigger gastrointestinal issues like constipation, diarrhea, indigestion. Everyone who thought you'd never hear those words in church, you're welcome. (laughs) Or an upset stomach. Chronic stress over extended periods of time may lead to more serious issues like irritable bowel syndrome and other GI disorders. Say, why'd you put that up there? To prove what the Greek word is. The Greek word is like things can be going on in your life that get to your gut. That's the Greek word. Things can happen that like make you sick to your stomach. So Jesus, he cared from the gut. This is a deep level of care that we all have for ourselves. It's why our stomachs hurt sometimes when we have to give that speech before our company. It's why the greatest fear for Americans is not dying, but speaking at someone's funeral. Like our stomach hurts when we have to do something that makes us nervous. Jesus looked at people and his gut hurt for them. Now, I don't think there's any doubt that the people in this room and those who are watching online, I don't think that there's any doubt that Jesus' people care about people. But the question is, do we have compassion for people? Like, I think we see them and we even hope that somehow someone will help them. We care. The question is, do we have Jesus' compassion? Another way to maybe make that statement is what Jesus' little brother James said in James chapter 2. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, like, what good is that? There's no doubt that Jesus' people see, that Jesus' people care, that Jesus' people pray. 
that Jesus people say, I hope someone helps, but so often in our world, maybe it's because there's so much to do. Jesus people care, Jesus people pray, Jesus people talk, and then Jesus people do nothing. They do nothing about it. James is like, like, does that help anyone? Caring without compassion, caring without a movement, caring without being driven to do something? Like, does, like, does that even make a difference in the world? See, the reality is when our gut begins to care, our heart and our hands begin to work. When our gut begins to, like when we see something that moves us from the inside and makes us physically sick to our stomach, it's like, I got to do, like, I got to do something about that. And when we love like Jesus, our hands and our heart begin to serve like Jesus. We are getting ready, you heard on our video announcements, to feed 500 families for Thanksgiving. And I think all Jesus people would say, churches should do that. My gosh, if they're hurting, somebody, somebody should do that. But then most Jesus people do nothing. So last week we passed out on your way out, and we'll do it again today, like a list of Thanksgiving dinners in a box. I thought, you know, I'm going to see how inconvenient this is to a life to care enough to do something. And like you... I live about 10 minutes from Price Chopper. Probably everyone in here lives 10 minutes from a Price Chopper. So I get in my car, I go in the store, I walk through the aisles. And by the time I get back home, it took less than 45 minutes. It took less than $50. And I thought I just provided a Thanksgiving dinner. And I didn't buy the turkey or the pie, but everything else, I just provided enough for one family to have Thanksgiving dinner. Because I believe like churches should do something about it. But like if, like if I don't, who will? 45 minutes and $50. Like when you say, oh, I care about people who don't have Thanksgiving having Thanksgiving, I just ain't got $45 or $50. James would say, well, what good is it to care if you don't do anything about it? So like today, we'll hand this to you again as you walk out. Like if, if, I, if I were in a small group currently meeting, like I, I would as a small group, I would say, hey, which one of these things do we need to do? Sherry told me we have like all the green beans, but I would say, hey, our small group, let's collect 20 bucks from everyone. And let's just go ahead and buy like 500 um, packets of gravy. That's probably like, you know, may, maybe $100. Maybe Let's let our small group just buy all 500. Like literally, I think 10 small groups could have done all this. One of my pastor friends um, in our city reached out to us. He's just started a church, started at Easter. His name's Dylan Neely, Pastor's King's Church right over by Lee Summit High School. Um, that new black church that they just kind of painted. He, he and a group of people just kind of started a new church there. And he said, hey, we'd like to do something for Thanksgiving, but our church is brand new. Could we help you? And I said, here's what we're doing. And he said, our church will buy 50 turkeys and we'll be there to help you pack up boxes. It's like, yeah, come on, man. Let's like, let's, like, let's do that. You say that, here's what's happening. Jesus people are saying, someone should do that. And I'm saying you, and you're like, I don't have time for that. Listen, do something. Do something. Do something. This is going to be put in your hand this week. Um, Lee and Clemens, who runs this project for us, said lots of people have been bringing back the $20 gift cards from Price Chopper for turkeys, $10 Costco gift cards. She said if they bring back the gift cards, just tell them to put them in an offering envelope, put them in the box, and we'll get these where they need to be. But we need people to help. Like so often people like say we should help. They care, but they don't have compassion. Because compassion from the gut moves you to act. And Jesus' people care from the gut. And honestly, real compassion is revealed by care or it's exposed by inaction. 
I either have it and I prove that by what I do or I don't have it and I prove that by what I don't do. Compassion and care. The best picture of compassion and care is Jesus who not only saw our sinful, broken condition and said someone should do something about that, but who saw our sinful, broken condition and then did something about it. Pastor John MacArthur says about Jesus' compassion, if our bodies literally ache in pain and nausea when we experience agony, remorse, or sympathy, we can be sure that the Son of Man felt them even more. Because Matthew tells us that in order to fulfill the prophecies of Isaiah, he himself took our infirmities and he carried away our diseases. He felt what we were going through and he did something about it. That's Jesus. That's my Jesus. And Jesus did that for me so that I could do it for somebody else. When's the last time you cared from the gut? When I was in third grade, one of my friends on the playground at, at Green Elementary, I lived in a place called Franklin, Franklin Furnace Green, right on the river of southern Ohio. And one of my friends on the playground got their foot stuck between two, um, two kind of railroad ties, and it snapped their leg in two. And like I'll never forget sitting them. They were holding their leg like this, but their, their toe was pointing the other direction. And it literally made me sick as I watched my friend sit on the ground screaming, holding their leg. Um, the ambulance came, put them in the splint, took them away, and then I went straight to the nurse's office and I went home too. Because I literally, like I was sick. I was physically sick. I later went to the hospital with my dad. He was my elementary school principal to see our friend. After they'd had surgery, they were in the hospital for nearly a week. Really bad break. And to this day, when I step on a railroad tie, I feel it right here. When I watch my kids get near a railroad, I feel it right here. Compassion. Something moves me to the point of action. That's Jesus. He not only saw our sinfulness and our need of a savior, he did something about it, compassion and care. Jesus' people are all in because they care from the gut. They, they don't serve out of guilt. They don't serve out of obligation. They don't serve all the time because they enjoy serving. They don't serve because they have so much extra time and money that there's nothing else to do with it. Jesus' people are moved to help others because Jesus helped them. Amen? That's how Jesus' people love, compassion and care. And who do they love? They love those who are harassed and helpless. Jesus had compassion, we learn, because they, the people, were harassed and helpless. It wasn't a matter of if they would be harassed and helpless or when they were harassed and helpless. It, it's the fact that they were. They were and they are in need of someone to help them. We said last week, looking at the latest Barna research of our city, here's our people that we live among. 71% stressed, 62% anxious, 53% burned out, 47% lonely, 46% depressed. This is our city. It's probably a great number of people in our church. We could phrase this another way. We could go back 2,000 years ago and we could use Jesus' words if we want because what our people are are harassed and helpless. Two Greek words that are fascinating, the Greek word skulo, harassed. It is the flaying or the skinning, like you hunters would skin your kill. It literally feels like somebody tearing your life apart. It often connoted the ideas of being battered, bruised, mangled, ripped apart, worn out, and exhausted. I had one of Danielle and I's great friends stop me in the hallway last Sunday, and she's like, hey, I need you to pray for my husband. He like he is, he's just got a lot going on right now. So I called him and said, Hey man, like, what do you need? 
And here's what he said. He said, I'm just exhausted, but aren't we all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. After 18 months, we are harassed people, all of us. The ones wearing the mask and not wearing the mask, exhausted. The ones vaccinated and unvaccinated. Thank you, Aaron Rodgers, for not being vaccinated, exhausted. (laughs) Amen, Chiefs fans? It's like, we have a better shot because he's on that side. Those who won the election and lost the election, exhausted. Like, just exhausted, man. I'm just exhausted, but aren't we all? Yeah. Yeah, we are. Thank God Jesus comes to help us. Exhausted, harassed, and helpless. It's the Greek word ripto. It's the basic meaning of being thrown down prostrate and utterly helpless as from drunkenness or a mortal wound. It literally means not being able to get up on your own by yourself. And listen, before this was our community, this was us. We could not stand up on our own spiritually until Jesus helped us to our feet. This is not a them harassed and helpless. This wasn't us harassed and helpless. But then we met Jesus. Jesus' people were helpless before Jesus. But then we got a helper. In John chapter 14, Jesus calls him the Holy Spirit. And he said, he will come help you to your feet. And then he'll help you to keep your feet. We were harassed. We were helpless. But then we met Jesus. And now we talk like this. We say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I'm not going to be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Turn to someone and say, the Lord's my helper. See, Jesus' people are harassed, but we're not helpless. Because the Lord is our helper. Amen. Yes, are we exhausted? Yes. Are we helpless? No, because we have a helper and his name is Jesus and he helps us. In 2001, the Baltimore Ravens won Super Bowl 35. The MVP of that game was their middle linebacker, Ray Lewis, who a year before at the Super Bowl in Atlanta had been with two men who committed murder. And while no one was ever charged in that crime, but Ray Lewis, he was charged with obstruction of justice. He was like, I know who did it, but I'm not going to like tell anyone. He went through a year where he was suspended a little bit. And then he became like the, he became the Super Bowl MVP. And in that year, he either found or, or, or refound, or at least began talking a lot about religion. He would wear a shirt with a Bible verse on it. And he'd talk about God and Jesus and restoration and redemption. It's the type of thing that you should talk about coming off the year that he had just come from. And when he was interviewed after Super Bowl 35 as the Super Bowl MVP, he said this in his new kind of faith walk. He said, you know, the scripture says God helps them who help themselves. And I thought, no, it doesn't. That's not true. Like some of you who went to Christian schools played the, na- played the game, it's not true. Um, it's a card game where like you say, um, like, here's what's in my card. You lay it face down. And, and at a Christian school, like you would say, that's not true. Or that is true. At non-Christian schools, you would say something else. It was a phrase that kind of had to do with like bovine manure, but less, less official words than that. And when I heard Ray Lewis say, God helps them who help themselves. I thought, that's not true. Bovine manure, Ray, that's not true. Now, one out of every three Christians believe that phrase is in the Bible. God helps them who help themselves. 
It actually, in 1733, was written by Benjamin Franklin in the Poor Richard's Almanac. God helps him who help themselves. He probably stole it from the guy who wrote Aesop's fables because he wrote a fable about someone asking Hercules to get their wagon out of the mud. And Hercules said, like, get get it ready because the gods help them who help themselves. But that is like, that's not Christianity. Jesus doesn't help us because we help ourselves. Jesus helps us because we are helpless. But then after Jesus helps us, he helps me so I can help others. Amen. He doesn't help me because I help myself. He helps me so that I can help others. As a matter of fact, the second human being ever created was called a helper. The first time the word help is found in the Bible is when Adam, the first and only human being, needed help. So God created a helper that was suitable for him. God helps us so that we can help others. We could say that after the first person who was created, every other person created was, was created out of this need that man had to be helped. So in Galatians 6, 2, the apostle Paul says, when it comes to Christians, carry each other's burdens. In this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus' people were helpless before Jesus, but then they got a helper so they could become a helper. They got a helper so they could become a helper. And if you have received help from Jesus, the question is not if, it is when will you start helping someone else for Jesus. Jesus is compassionate. We were harassed and helpless, but we got a helper named Jesus, and now we get to be sheep and shepherd. Sheep and shepherd. Jesus wants people to be sheep and shepherds. Maybe if you're taking notes, you could write on your notes, sheep that shepherd. I want to show you kind of how this works through the life of Jesus and through the life of his followers. So Jesus saw the people, the problem, and the solution all in one phrase. He saw who people are, what their problem is, and what their solution is. And he says this at the very end of verse 36. They are like sheep without a shepherd. Those are the people, their problem is they don't have anyone guiding them. The solution is they need a shepherd. Jesus' people are harassed but not helpless because of Jesus. He is our shepherd. And interestingly enough, when we live on mission, when we live on mission, we have the ability both to be sheep and shepherd. Jesus was referred to by Old Testament prophets as sheep and shepherd. Isaiah 53, 7, Jesus, like a sheep before his shears was silent, doesn't utter a word when he's condemned to go to the cross. But later in Micah chapter 5, verse 2 and 4, we're told that he's born to shepherd the people of Israel. So Jesus is referred to by the prophets as both a sheep and a shepherd. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus calls his disciples sheep. He said, tonight they're going to strike the shepherd and all the sheep are going to be scattered. But then in John 21, Jesus would turn around a few weeks later and tell Peter as one of his disciples, I need you to be a shepherd now. I need you to be a sheep that shepherds. So a few questions, a few questions. Are you a sheep or a shepherd? The best answer is both. Somebody said it. The best answer is both. But I would ask maybe a follow-up question that would help you maybe answer the first one. Who are you shepherding? What is their name? What, what age of kids are you leading? Um, how are you shepherding your family or your best friend? Are you a sheep or shepherd? You're like, well, I'm both. Okay, well, who are you shepherding? If there is no name, if there is no group, then, then maybe you want to be a shepherd, but you're not. Let me ask another question. Do you come to church to eat or to feed others? 
That is good. Are you here today to eat or to cook? The right answer, again, is both. Both. And, and like, there's an order to that and, like, how you're going to be fed, but in order to feed others. Or, like, are, are you here to eat or are you here to feed others? The answer is both. But maybe, maybe the whole point of this message is the third question. Do you even realize, are you even aware that people around you need to be fed? Everybody say, who cares? That's the question. Who cares that other people around us need to be fed? Who cares enough to do something about it? That's the question. Are you aware that you get to eat so that you can get ready to feed others? In Ezekiel chapter 34, God condemns the shepherds and the sheep of Israel. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn there. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen so you'll be able to follow along. But this is, this is one of these texts that maybe you should have marked in your Bible. Ezekiel chapter 34. Because God speaks to sheep who refuse to be shepherds. And he does not hold back. Jesus was both a sheep and a shepherd. His disciples were both sheep and shepherd. And Jesus' followers are supposed to be sheep and shepherd. In the first part of Ezekiel 34, God condemns the shepherds of Israel, the prophets and the priests, because basically they have sucked up to the royalty, to the kings, to the wealthy people of Israel, so they would be taken care of. They decided to take care of themselves rather than God and God's people. So God said, like, shepherds, you're out. But then he turned to the flock. And Jesus said this in Ezekiel chapter 34 in verses 17 through 24. Read it in your Bible or follow along on the screen. As for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm going to judge between one sheep and another and between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of the pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you've driven them away. I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend to them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Watch this. God wants sheep who are aware of other sheep. God wants sheep who are shepherds. And you have to ask yourself today, are you a fat sheep who only cares about what you're being fed on Sunday morning? Feed me, feed me, feed me. Different song, better messages, more scripture, longer scripture. We sing too loud. We sing, we sing too short. Like, do you walk in here as a fat sheep, not concerned about anyone else? Just feed me. God said, I'm going to judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep because the fat sheep, listen, I'm glad you're feeding, but do you also have to kill the grass for everyone else? Like, I'm glad you're drinking, but do you have to stand in the stream? Like, are you not aware that there's anyone else who needs help? Who cares? That's the theme of this. Like, who cares? Who's the one who says it's not all about me? 
And I come to church to eat, but I come to church to feed because I I, want to eat, but I don't want to muddy the water for everyone else. I want to eat, but I don't want to step on the grass for everyone else. God wants sheep who are shepherds. And these three verses in Matthew chapter 9, we've been in Matthew uh, chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9 now. This is message 42. These three verses, verses 36, 37, 38, are the transition in the entire book where the disciples move from sheep on one side of these three verses to shepherds on the other three side of these verses. In Matthew 10, he'll say, go start serving. And the rest of the book of Matthew will be about getting the disciples ready to be shepherds rather than sheep. Up to this time, they've been sheep. And God is saying to them, okay, now that you're well-fed, who are we going to feed? Now that we are well-fed, who are we going to feed? I love studying the history of presidents. love reading presidential biographies. I read at least one a year. This one, this year I'm in David McCullough's biography on John Adams, a phenomenal biography if you like early American history and if you like the presidents. A few years ago, I spent a lot of time studying Abraham Lincoln, and I found out one of the most influential people in the life of President Abraham Lincoln was Frederick Douglass, the great abolitionist who was a burr in his saddle, but who just never stopped showing up at the White House to say, help, 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 help. And Douglass had this famous quote that's been carried on in a lot of different ways, but he said this, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. And what he was saying is, hey, let, like, let's start with the next generation, like, Let's just get the next generation ready right. I mean, yeah, we got to work on broken men, but let's, let's live our lives figuring out how to fix it for the next generation. Journey, my very specific question to you this morning is this. Would you be ready to help us? Would you be willing to help us raise up strong spiritual children at our church? Last week, we ministered to more than 500 kids at our church under the age of 18. We do not have nearly enough adults to feed them spiritually. Yet we got a lot of fat sheep in our church. The question is, is this church about you or is it about you using what God has fed you to serve children and to serve students? Inside your bulletin is this little card that I gave you last week that we're going to look at every week until hopefully all of us are all in. If you don't have a bulletin today, you can text the number 474747 to Journey All In. It'll send you a link where this card can pop up. I'm asking for three very, very specific areas today for some of you to begin to get all in. In the area of children's ministry, student ministry, and adult discipleship and spiritual care, I'm looking for sheep who are willing to be shepherds. Maybe up to this point, you've been a fat sheep who butts your way in through everyone because it's all about you. And you're hearing today Jesus say, like, I see you. And you went in and you got a drink and you walked right through the stream and left it muddy for everyone else. Like, how dare you not be aware of anyone else? If that's your realization today, I'm asking you to be a shepherd very specifically for the next generation. In age or in spirit. Maybe you come and graze and get a real good meal and you leave not even thinking about whether or not everyone else has eaten. Specifically those under the age of 12. But you're just glad your belly's full and you can't wait to go get a nap and watch the Chiefs beat the Packers today at 3 o'clock. You're not even aware. You're not even aware that somebody else has to feed all the other sheep. You just eat and leave. I'm asking today for all of us to be all in, but some of you very specifically in the area of shepherding and very specifically in the area of our next generation, children's ministry, student ministry. If God has served you a really good meal and then he showed you how to prepare a really good meal, I promise it's not just for you. 
God always wants you to make like two plates for you and somebody else. And you say, man, I love the Bible. And I'm just, here, here, for, for everyone in the room who thinks, man, I wish everyone knew as much about the Bible as I do. And there's some people who correctly think that. Why don't you start with second graders? And for the next 10 years, teach them everything that you know. So by the time they graduate from high school, they at 18 know what you know at 50 that would have changed your life at 18. Why don't we get a vision to become sheep that are shepherds? If you weren't here last week and you're not all in with us, I'm gonna ask you to find your area. Only check one or two boxes on this card, turn it in at the end. Some of you have been praying about it since last week. Throw it in the box when you're done. But the question is, who cares? Somebody ask, who cares? Man, I care. 2,763 years ago, God looked down on Israel. The year that King Uzziah died and he was like, is there anyone who cares? And Isaiah's like, I care. I'll do it. Hey, what do you need me to do? I care, I'll do it. Who cares? Who will care? Is there a need? Yeah, there's a need. We believe there's an answer. Probably the greatest thing about this survey that we looked at last week, 71% of people in our city feel stressed, 62% feel anxious, 53% feel burned out, 47% feel lonely, 46% feel depressed, but 60% believe the church can help them. So I told you we're living in this weird world where Christians don't think they need the church anymore to survive spiritually, but lost people think they need it more than ever. More lost people think they need the church than don't think they need the church. At the same time, when Christians are like, I don't need the church to walk with Jesus, it's like, okay, okay. But these people believe that Jesus' people can help. Sheep that shepherd. Are you here to eat or to feed others? Is your life about eating or feeding others? And if we could make that switch, I believe God could use us in such powerful, powerful ways. What has God said to you today? And how do you need to respond to be faithful to what God has asked of you? Would you pray with me as we consider that today? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over the room, but hearts are open. Just be honest about this Sunday, November 7th. Are you here today to eat or to feed others? Maybe it's both. Maybe you were totally unaware that other people were here to eat. You didn't even realize you were standing in the water. You're just glad you got a drink. Would you consider becoming a sheep that is a shepherd? Would you consider helping us raise a strong next generation for Jesus? Because if all of us, we'll get all in. It might take a really long time, but 15, 20 years from now, Maybe our school district could look different because the fat sheep started sharing what they knew. Instead of discussing it with other like-minded theological people, they began to teach it to children, the students. They very clearly showed them who Jesus was and how to study the Word of God and how to know some of the finer things theologically. We poured it into the next generation. We got them ready, all of us all in. Would you, would you consider doing that? If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you say, I came to church today because I'm stressed, anxious, burnout, lonely, and depressed, and I just thought maybe the church could help. The church cannot, but Jesus can. The great thing about the church is we know Jesus and we can help you connect to him. He loves you. He lived for you and died for your unfaithfulness, for your sins, so you could be forgiven 
close to Jesus, right with God. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, he is the answer for your stress, anxiety, burnout, loneliness, and depression. Jesus is the answer. He's the helper. You say, I'm harassed and helpless. You have a helper. His name's Jesus. Ask him to help you this morning. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. But hearts are open if you don't know Jesus and you need him to be your helper today. Just in prayer from your heart to heaven, you don't have to pray it out loud, but from your heart to heaven, silently ask Jesus to be your helper. Just pray something like this. You can repeat after me, Jesus, I need you. Just repeat it after me, Jesus, I need you to be my helper. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of my past. Heal me of my hurt. Lead me into my future. Today, I surrender my life to your leadership. I ask for your salvation. I commit to follow you. If you just pray that prayer with me in just a second, I'll give you an opportunity to know how you can get into our best day ever ministry so you can find out more about Jesus and follow him well. But Jesus, as we close in prayer today, our prayer is simple. Thank you for caring. Thank you for helping. Thank you for calling us to be people who help by caring. Put our hands and feet to work until we make the difference you've called us to make. We ask this in Jesus' name and everyone together said, amen. Hey,